Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Try that one more time. <laughs> Good morning. We are glad you're here. Come on, are you excited to be at church today? Happy Labor Day weekend. Um, we hope you've had a great weekend so far. And for those of you that have the opportunity to be off work tomorrow, come on, somebody. You get a three-day weekend. Come on, it's exciting. Um, I want to I make mention of a couple of things, and then we're going to get right into the word today, right into the message. Um, grow groups are kicking off this week. And so... Here's, here's what you need to know. If you have not signed up for a group, it is not too late. So you can go online, yourimpactchurch.com, or go on the Church Center app, and you can get signed up and registered for a group today. Uh, there are some that are kicking off. They're kicking off all week long, I believe, on, uh, what do we got? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week, and then, uh, then we'll have some kicking up on Sunday evenings and things like that, I believe even on Monday as well, and so uh, there is there is an option for you. There is a group for you to get into, and so get online today. Get uh, get all the details. Figure out what night of the week works for you, or what topic, what book of the Bible. Um, come on, this is where we grow. This is where we mature, and so we encourage you to get into a group. Um, a couple of other things: student fundraising. You heard me mention this last week uh, briefly, but uh, they're going on a retreat. All of our fifth grade, all the way through twelfth grade are going to be going on a retreat this November, and so they are doing a few things in the meantime to raise some of those funds to help uh, families out and make sure that every student that wants to be a part of that is able to be a part of that. And so a couple of things, this coming, uh, this coming Saturday, uh, there's going to be a garage sale, and so you can come be a part of that, and you can, uh, you can purchase some stuff. Come on, you can find somebody else's stuff that you like, and you can bring it into your house. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And so uh, show up and be a part of that and uh, support in that way. And then also throughout the month of September when you go out into the lobby, I mentioned this last week, out at Impact Central right outside of these double doors, you will see uh, the jars for the people that you can vote on for the Pie Face fundraiser. And so I don't know, I, I made mention this morning, I don't know when I saw the jars come in today, I don't know why my name has the little asterisk, you know, beside it and nobody else does. I don't, I don't quite get that, but uh, anyway... <laughs> No, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, and so basically you're voting uh, you're voting with your money, and so any change, any anything that you want to throw in there, it's all going toward making sure that every student that wants to be on that retreat is able to go, and uh, that nobody is is staying at home because of funds, and so keep that in mind. And then the last thing I'm gonna mention is here in two weeks we celebrate turning five years old as a church. So yeah. So on September the 19th, we're going to have uh, a special celebration that morning in the morning services as we turn five years old as a church. It's hard to believe it's been five years. And then that night, we're going to come back at 6 p.m. and we're going to have uh, what will be our very first night of worship in this building. And so we're going to join together at 6 o'clock on, uh, on our anniversary or birthday Sunday, whatever you want to call it. And we're going to have a night of worship right here and uh, just allow the power of God to move in this place and uh, so we encourage you to show up that night show up on that day bring somebody with you it's going to be a great weekend 
as we celebrate in those ways. Um, I want to remind us, we've been in a series that we've called Fresh, and I told you last weekend I didn't know exactly how long this would go. I do think um, that we're going to talk about, I think that there are two more areas that, that the Lord wants us to talk about, one today and one next week, and that's going to take us into our anniversary Sunday. Um, but we're going to continue today on this, this thread of talking about fresh in our lives. And uh, I think I have something that um, I kind of wrestled with a little bit, but I believe is going to be beneficial to you. And it's something that, it's a, it's a, it's a term that you have heard uh, probably your entire life. If you've grown up in church at all, you grew up in Sunday school, you grew up uh, you know, around church or in the Bible Belt. But before we get into that, I want to just remind us one more time uh, where we've been in this series. And I am encouraging you, if you have missed any any week in this series, go back on the podcast, go on the app. You can watch it. You can listen to it as you're driving down the road, as you're working, whatever that is. But come on, we've talked about fresh wind, fresh vision, fresh strength, fresh courage. And then last weekend, we talked about fresh praise. And today, this is part six of our series. And I want to talk to you on this subject. I've titled the message Fresh Faith. Fresh faith. And I think that today, and as you go through your week, that I, I, I believe today that the Lord wants to remind us and, and uh, give you some fresh faith. And remind us even of things that we may have already known. Maybe some things that we haven't known. Maybe some things that will bring clarity uh, in your walk with the Lord as you think about this term faith uh, and faith in Jesus. And so this is something that most of us, most of us have heard this term faith before if not all of us in the room but I want to talk about a few dis different aspects of faith and what it means to have faith and I want to start with this because I think it's it's always good that we know kind of what we're talking about and this message is really going to be going through different aspects different topics if you will that involve your faith as a believer but I think it's important that we start with a biblical definition of the word faith because we always hear the word faith well you just need to have faith you need to have faith. Well, where is your faith? We read in the Bible, we know Jesus was, well, they just didn't have enough faith. Uh, he marveled at their lack of faith, or he marveled at their great faith. And we hear this term, and we read this term, faith. But simply put, this is a biblical definition of faith. It's reliance upon and trust in God. So biblically, when we think about faith, it's saying, you know what? I am fully relying on and fully trusting in God. And here's a verse from the Bible that can help us better understand what faith is. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1, and we know Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith and it's the faith chapter of the Bible. And the very first verse says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And I love the way the Amplified Bible gives us a more in-depth look at this. And so I want to read it from the Amplified Bible. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed. And the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. It, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. And the Greek word here for faith is the word pistis. And here's, here's what it means, and I just kind of put it, broke it down. You can, you can go online, you can read all of this, you can study this out. 
But here's simply put what this word means, persuasion. Or God's divine persuasion. So when you think about faith and your faith, it means that you are persuaded that this is true. You are persuaded that what you believe is actually true. You, you, you may not be able to see it. You may not be able to fully comprehend it. But it is the persuasion that you are persuaded that what you believe is true. And here are a few other places in the Bible where this word for faith is used. Romans 12, 3 says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. But be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually, actually delivered from the judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourself, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. Isn't it good to know today that God loves you and God loves me so much that he wants to, that there is this idea of him divinely persuading you to believe and place your faith in him. That there are things that you cannot see and you place your faith in him even though you cannot see what's coming down the road. You cannot see, right? We cannot see physically God right in front of us, right? They, when you read through the, the Gospels, you saw that Jesus, you know, he was in the flesh. And we're going to read a verse here in just a moment that I think is so powerful that Jesus himself said because he was here at that time. But God loves us so much that he is, he is persuading us of his salvation and his plan for our life. And I was thinking about different instances. You can be persuaded in a church service like this. Come on, you can place your faith in Jesus in a moment like this, in an atmosphere like this. You can place your faith in Jesus when you're out in nature, when you're camping and you just you just see and God just shows you things in in nature and in animals and as you're out and about and you just think, "You know what? Oh my, there is a God and I need to place my faith in him." You can place your faith in God. You can be persuaded by an event that happens in your life. You know people, some, probably some of you, that, that there is something that happened in their life that maybe it was a good thing, maybe it was a bad thing, but it caused them to place their faith or to go deeper in their relationship with God because of an event in their life. And how many of you know that, that it's God's desire that everyone be saved and everyone place their faith in Jesus, but if the idea is that faith is God's divine persuasion, right, it's, you, you can't always see it. You, it's, it's not something that may be tangible right in front of you, but it's something that on the inside of you, you believe and you place your faith in Jesus. Some of us are just a little more hard-headed than other people. <laughs> and so sometimes, sometimes there, there may be something that happens in our life and we're like, you know what, I need to place, or there's an experience or there's an invitation and you place your faith in Jesus, but some of us are a little more hard-headed and sometimes God has to get through to us in different ways so that we will place our faith and our trust in Jesus. Some other places where this word is used, Galatians 5, you're going to know these two verses, 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Here's our word, same word. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Matthew 17, verse 20. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, here's our word, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. If you had faith, if you had this kind of faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible. So in just a few verses, we see that God has given us faith, that we're saved by grace through faith, that faith is what the Holy Spirit is producing in our lives, and that faith makes things, po- makes things possible that seem impossible. And so since faith is such a big part of our life as a believer, come on, if you're sitting in the room today and you're a believer, you're following Jesus, it's because you have placed your faith in Him. You have placed your faith in someone that you can't physically see in front of you. That's why it's called faith. And I believe that God, as we go through, I want to talk to you about just a few things, a few different topics, a few different areas uh, as we talk about faith today. But I believe that God wants to give you fresh faith. Maybe it's not even faith. You've placed your faith in Jesus, but maybe today God wants to enlarge your faith so that you walk out of these doors today ready to do something with your faith. Are you with me? So here's, here's the... The, the first point or the first topic I want to talk to you about today is pleasing God. Pleasing God. Hebrews 11.6, it says it this way. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please Him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. Without faith, It's impossible to please God. Here's the reality today. We can't please God without faith. You and I cannot please God without faith. We cannot please God, we can say it this way, without a conviction of the reality of the things that we cannot see and may not be able to truly explain. There are some of us that try to we, we, we try so hard, we want to wrap our minds around everything that happens and everything that goes on in our life, and then we will believe. Then we will have faith. Then we will place our faith. Then our faith could be enlarged, if I can just understand it. But we cannot please God, and faith is the conviction of the reality of things that we cannot see and may not be able to truly explain. Look at this. In John 3, Jesus is having a conversation. We're all familiar with John three sixteen. But this is a conversation that Jesus is having with a guy named Nicodemus who has come to him and has asked him some questions. And he's trying to figure this whole thing out. He's, you know, I can picture him. He's kind of been hearing what Jesus is talking about, seeing what Jesus has been doing. And he comes to Jesus, right, and he says he comes to him at night. You know, he's like, hey, I don't want anybody to see that I'm coming to Jesus. So he comes to Jesus, and Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus and, and he's telling him, Jesus is telling him that he, you can't see the kingdom of heaven without being born again. And Nicodemus is having a hard time understanding how can somebody be born again. I don't, I can't, how can I place my faith? I don't even, uh, like how is that even possible? And this is what Jesus says in verse 8. He says, the wind blows wherever it wants. 
just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus says, you're not going to be able to fully explain it. You're not going to be able to fully comprehend because you're in this human body and there is a spiritual realm, right? There is, there is something going on in the spirit realm and you're not going to be able to fully explain it. But that doesn't keep you from believing in the wind. Because you see the wind and you see where the wind's blowing and you see what the wind does. But you don't say, well, because I can't see the wind, I don't believe in the wind. We know that the wind exists because we can see how it, how, how it affects things around us. In other words, you and I have faith in the wind. We're persuaded that the wind is a reality even though we can't see it and we can't truly explain it. And we should have the same conviction and persuasion about God. Listen to me. This is, this is where it comes into play when something happens or something transpires in your life. And you read through even in the Bible where, where there were instances where with the disciples and different people where Jesus marveled at their lack of faith because something was happening that they couldn't comprehend, something was happening that they couldn't understand, and it was like their faith wavered. They saw the storm and their faith wavered. They saw what was going on in somebody else's and, and their faith wavered. They saw that somebody close to them passed away and their faith wavered. They saw that Jesus didn't appear to be on time, and so their faith began to waver. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, he says, you, your faith doesn't waver in the wind just because you can't see what's going on in the wind. You still believe and you need to have the same conviction. Come on, you need to make up your mind. You need to say, you know what, today I believe and I place my faith in Jesus and my faith is going to grow. And whether or not I can see it, whether or not he's doing what I think he should be doing, whether or not it's done in the way that I think it should be done, whether or not something happens that I think ought to happen but it doesn't happen the way that I thought it ought to happen, my faith is still in him because I am convinced. I am convinced on the inside that God is real, and I can't see him in the physical, but I have faith. I was thinking as I was preparing this, over the last few years, um, myself, my wife, our family, we've had the, the privilege and the opportunity to fly more. Um, I, I met a guy, many of you know him, named Doug Reed, one of our overseers, and, and uh, he told me, he said, now that you know me, you're going to fly a whole lot more. And so I've flown on mission trips, and I've flown to... You know, we, we flew on vacation one year, and so I've been on, on planes more in the last few years than I ever was in the previous, you know, however many years before that. And what's interesting to me is every time I was thinking about this, every time I have stepped onto a plane, I have placed my faith in a couple of people that I cannot see that are behind a door that you can't get in operating a metal tube flying through the air at 550 miles an hour to then land me safely at my destination. And not one time, not one time have I gotten on the plane and said, you know, I just need to see some credentials. I need to see the maintenance report on this plane. I need to make sure, did this really get fueled up before we took off? Not one time. I got on the plane, and I sat down, and I trusted the people and the device that was going to get me to where I was supposed to go. K 
can I ask you a question? Why would we do that when we get onto a plane or you fill in the blank with whatever, but when it comes to faith in God, we go back and forth? Well, I don't. Well, before I can before I can really put my faith in Jesus, I really need to see him do something. I need to see some credentials. I need to see, you know, like, well, what how do you know that was God? How do you know? No, you don't do that with anything else really in your life. So we just need to be convinced, persuaded that hey, I'm placing my faith is in Jesus no matter what. I think this is why faith is what pleases God. It's it's you and me saying that we trust that God knows what he's doing and that the direction that he has for our lives is exactly what it should be. And that we don't need an explanation. We don't need to know step 15 before we take step 1 because my faith is in him. I'm convinced that his plan and his purpose and where he's leading me and who he is, that it's enough. And I'm going to trust in that. Jesus made this, this statement in John 20. It's a powerful statement after his resurrection. And I want to read uh, five or six verses here, starting in verse 24. He says, one of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it. Unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, look at this statement. You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Two things I find interesting in this, in this story. Number one, that Jesus was still willing, even though Thomas didn't believe without seeing, Jesus was still willing to show up and say, hey, look at my hands, look at my side. Don't be faithless anymore. Believe. Believe. But then he made the statement, you believe because you saw me. But blessed are the people who will believe without seeing me. Without physically seeing him. I don't know about you, but I want to please God with my faith. I want to be convinced. Here's the second thing. The second point is conducting our lives. The first one was pleasing God. I want to talk to you about conducting our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it says, So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Many of us would like for this verse to read, Well, we walk by the things that we've seen happen before, and we make an educated decision, and then we decide, this is okay, I'm going to put my faith in this. But Paul does not say that. He says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Too often our faith fluctuates back and forth based on what we see in the physical. Well, I just received a bad report, so my faith is low. Something traumatic just happened, so I'm not sure if I even have faith anymore. 
I just witnessed a healing and so my faith is strong, right? It's like our faith goes up and down and whether or not we think we even have faith and is this even real, all based on our circumstances. And Paul said, listen, we don't walk by what we can see. We're not going to live our lives by what we can see. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to live our lives by faith. So what does it mean to walk by faith? Here's the Amplified Bible and how it translates these verses for us. It says, so then being always filled with good courage and confident hope and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord for we walk by faith, not by sight. And look at this, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. What does it mean to walk by faith and not by sight? It means that I'm living my life in a manner that is consistent and confident in God's promises. Not consistent and confident in my situation. Not consistent and confident in what I can see right now. But I'm living my life consistently and confidently in what I already know to be true. And here's the struggle for many of us. Many of us are not in God's word to know what we can confidently stand and consistently walk in. And so our faith fluctuates. Because we just don't know. And I just want to pull out just a few things. If if this means, if walking by faith and not by sight means that we're living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises, then then it begs the question, well, what are God's promises? If we walk by faith and not by sight, that means that we're, we're walking according to what God has already promised us, what we know His promises are, not by what we can see, not by what we just experienced, not by what we just walked through, not by what we're, is coming tomorrow, but it's in God's promises, then what are some of God's promises? Well, I believe there's uh, w- just a few of them. There's a promise of peace, Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. John 16, 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We see rest in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. There's a promise of strength, and we talked about this verse uh, when we talked about fresh strength, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. There's there's perspective, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This To walk by faith and not by sight means I have made up my mind. I am convinced that God's promises are enough. That who God is, is enough. And it's not based on my life and the way that I live. It's not based on what I can see. It's not based on what I have been through. It's not, those things may may build your faith. Things that you experience in the weeks to come may build your faith up. But it's not the source and it's not the baseline of our faith. Listen, we walk by faith and not by sight. Listen to me. Stop walking by sight. Well, how do I know if I'm walking by sight? I think you can listen to the conversations that you have with people. Can we be real at church today? Well, how do I know if I'm walking by faith or if I'm walking by sight? Listen to the conversations you have with people. 
Are they faith conversations? Or are they conversations about, well, you see what's happening? Well, you know what's going on. You know the new report that just came out. Well, you know I just went to the doctor. Well, you know, we walked through this, and, and I really, well, I don't know if we're really going to, what do your conversations sound like? I would venture to say that many of our conversations, myself included, would let us know that we're walking by sight. And that how we navigate and how we orchestrate and how we live our lives is all based on what we have seen, what we have been through, our experiences and all these things. And they're not bad things all of the time. They can build your faith, but you have to be convinced. You have to have made up your mind and been persuaded that, you know what, God is true. These are his promises, and I'm going to live my life consistent with the promises of God and not with what I can see. Not with what's going on around me. I was thinking about a few instances even in our lives, um, in our family. I remember, you know, you've heard us talk about this before, but whenever we walked through several years ago having a miscarriage, we had to choose to walk by faith and not by sight because that didn't look good. We had to choose. We're going to walk by faith. We are convinced. We're convinced. As you walk through the loss of somebody in your life or somebody that you're close to, you have to choose to walk by faith and not by sight. And I can promise you, I can promise you, when you walk through something, the enemy's going to be right there. And he's going to be right there in your ear to say what he said in the very beginning. Did God really say? Is God really true? Is what you've been believing in really real? Because if, if God was good, would that have happened? And that's when you're going to find out. Have you been persuaded? Have you been convinced? Is your faith really in Jesus? Or is, your, or, or is it really in what you can see? I was thinking about whenever, you know, another situation we had to walk by faith and not by sight is when, uh, you know, when we, we thought, hey, we're going to be able to to add a little girl to our family and, and adopt this little girl and it didn't work out the way that we thought it would, we had to walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. And there are going to be times in your life when you're going to have to look at the situation. You're going to have to look a situation in the face and say, I walk by faith, not by sight. You're going to have to look death in the face. I walk by faith. And not by sight. Here's the last thing that I want to talk to you about. Um, and it's taking action. Taking action. And I want to spend just a few minutes on this one. Because I believe it's so important. And I want to start. We're going to read several verses. This is in James chapter 2. Starting in verse 14. He says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But, when, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. 
Now, someone may argue, some, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Listen to me. Let's look at the word of God. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. You've probably heard it said, and I've heard it said, that you, you can read through this passage and you say, well, but we're not saved by works. So how can you reconcile what James is writing and what other writers in the Bible or what even Jesus himself said? Because we're not saved by works. And here's how I kind of summed it up just in my own statement, if you will. It's simply this, and I think we have this on the screen. You don't have to work to get saved because that would bring you glory. But once you're saved, you should want to do good works because those works bring glory to God. How do you reconcile the two? Well, you're not saved by works, but this is talking all about works and how well you're, you know, like your faith and your works, they, they need to work together. It's that you, you can't save yourself because that would bring you glory. Your salvation is to bring glory to God. By what Jesus did for you. When he gave himself up for you. But once you're saved. By faith. Then there should be a desire to do good works. Because of your faith. And I was, I was thinking about this this last week. And I believe Ephesians 2. We just read verses 8 and 9. But I want to read the whole thing together. Because Ephesians 2 shows us how these two concepts go perfectly together. This is what it says verses 8 through 10. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith. But you're saved for good works that were already prepared in advance for you to do. So that when God saved you and you placed your faith in him. Now you would activate on this side. And you would begin to do things that proved that you had faith in Jesus. That proved that you were saved. Not so that you can get saved. But so that your faith is in action. And it's making a difference in the world. It's making a difference in your workplace. It's making a difference in your family. It's making a difference in your spouse's life and in your kid's life because of the things that you're doing. In other words, we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. And the Greek word here for that we translate as good works in verse 26, I found this interesting. 
In James 2, it's the word ergon. And an ergon is a deed or an action that carries out or completes an inner desire. So in this, what, it, what he is saying here is a good work is an action or a deed that carries out or it completes a desire that is inside of you. In other words, God created things for you to do that he was going to give you the desire to do once you placed your faith in him. And it completes it and you activate that inner desire and it begins to come out whenever you put your faith into action and you begin to do good works. It gives me this picture that when you place your faith in Jesus and then he saves you that he places something inside of you, a desire inside of you. Or a better way to say it would be he activates the desire and the good works that he's already created in advance for you to do. Now you've placed your faith, you've been saved, you've placed your faith in Jesus. And now there are things for you to do that complete and activate that inner desire. So you're not saved by works, you're saved for the works that God has already created in advance for you to do. A faith that doesn't have any action associated with it doesn't do anybody any good. I'm going to bring the worship team back. A faith that doesn't have any action associated with it doesn't do anybody any good. We read it just a minute ago in James 2, but he says, if you, if you see someone, if you see a brother or sister who has need of something, and can we put it, I've said it like this before, can we put it in terms like this, okay? Prayer is good, but here's how we would say this, I think today, is we see somebody with a need, and we know that the Holy Spirit is drawing us to, to meet that need, and there's something, there's a desire on the inside, and, and here's what we would say. He says, if you see somebody who's a brother or sister who's in need, and you say, I'm praying for you, but you don't do anything to help them out in their need? He says, what, what good is that kind of faith? What good is it if we're too busy? If we're too busy to do the things that God created in advance for us to do? You're on your way to heaven because you're saved. But God says, I have not saved you just for that. I have saved you because there are some things that I want you to do. And there is a purpose that I have for your life. There is so much more that I have for you. And I had already pre prepared it. I had already planned it for you. I had already set it in motion before you were ever even born. So that when this day came, that your faith in me would align with what I have already created for you to do. And that you would take action and that your faith would not be dead faith. But it would be faith that takes action. It would be faith that makes a difference in somebody else's life as well. A faith that doesn't have any action associated with it really doesn't do anybody any good. And James would say it's useless and it's dead. And my prayer is that your faith would take action today. Well, what does it look like for my faith to take action? I believe that if, if you'll ask the Holy Spirit, there will be things that will come to your mind that you know, I need to do that. I need to step into that. 
I need to go there. I need to begin to do this. Because those are things that God has already prepared in advance for you to do. And he wants to activate your faith today. And my prayer is that your faith would be activated. Listen, that you would begin to, you know what, God, what, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do to serve other people? What is it that you want me to do to serve somebody else? What is it that you want me to step into? What is the purpose that you have for my life? What is it that you, God, have placed on the inside of me? That by me putting my faith into action is going to complete my faith. What is the desire on the inside of me? What is the thing on the inside of me that you have created in advance for me to do? Do not save by what you do, because that would bring glory to you. But you are saved to do some things that will bring glory to God. Are you with me? Will you stand to your feet today? My prayer is that is that you would put your faith in action, that you would be, that you would serve, that you would step into your purpose, that you would begin to work toward the desire that God placed in your heart when he saved you, that you would be a disciple and make disciples, that you would stop sitting on the sidelines and get on mission. Come on. There's some of us, we just haven't made the decision that, that you know what, I've placed my faith in Jesus, but we're not doing anything. And you don't have to do anything to earn your way into heaven. Salvation's a free gift by grace, through faith. You place your faith in Jesus and he will save you. And, and that's the best decision that you can make. But there is so much more that God has in store for you and so much purpose that God has in store for you if you will activate the faith that you have placed in Jesus and the faith that he has placed in you and you will activate that to take action there's so much that God wants to do in you and through you that you can't even imagine and I believe that that's where the greatest fulfillment in life comes it's when you are doing the thing that God created in advance for you to do God created the purpose, then he created you. In advance, he said, this is what I have for you to do. And when they place their faith in me and they come alive on the inside, they're going to put that faith into action and they're going to accomplish this purpose, this purpose in their life. I created it in advance for them to do and they're going to get so much fulfillment out of that because it's what I created.
is it that you would have for me? What is the purpose that you have for me? What is the thing that you want me to step into? So come on, will you bow your heads and close your eyes today and just ask him in your own way. Just say, Lord, I want to know your purpose. I want to know what it is that you're calling me to step into. I don't want to be just this this faith that, that doesn't have any works, this faith that doesn't have any good deeds, this faith that doesn't do anything to impact the world for your kingdom. I want to be on mission. I want to do what you've called me to do. And so, Lord, today, will you just reveal to me, will you just put it in my heart, what is it that you would have me to do? What is the purpose? What is the plan that you created in advance for me to do? What do I need to step into? And Lord, right now, I just pray. I pray over every person in this room. God, I believe that there are, there are many of us here today who have already placed our faith in you, but we just need to activate it. We need to take action. And Lord, right now, in this moment, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice in this room that has not placed their faith in you. And Lord, I pray that you would draw them right now. And here's what I want to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed. I believe the first step for you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you've never given your life to him, you've never surrendered to him, you've never received his forgiveness and what he did for you. Come on, salvation is a free gift by grace through faith. You place your faith in what Jesus did for you. You receive what he did for you on the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection, and he will save you. And then you'll be able to step into everything that God has planned for your life. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, if there's anybody here today, I'm just going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to be bold. And you say, you know what, today we're all going to pray this prayer together. We don't want anybody to pray alone, but you would just say right where you're standing today, you say, you know what, this is my first step. I need to place my faith my trust in Jesus. I've never surrendered my life to him and today is my day. I know that this is what I need to do. Come on, if that's you, will you just lift your hand right where you are? Nobody's looking around right now, but I want to pray for you and I want to lead you in this prayer. Thank you. So let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for taking all my sins all my shame and all my sickness. Today I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you died, that you rose again, that you are the Son of God, and I place my faith and all my trust my hope in you today. It's no longer I who live, but it's you living in me. And I make the commitment that I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those who made that decision today? Amen. Here's what I want to do. We're going to sing this song together and I encourage you if you don't need prayer for anything let's let's lift our hands let's lift our voices let's worship God in this room today
love to pray for you. We would love to agree with you. We would love to stand with you for whatever it is you're believing God for, whatever it is that you're needing God to do in your life or desiring God to do in your life. So Lord, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we pray that you would draw everything.